Hi there. How are you? It is Eric Erickson here. Greetings across the nation. Delighted to have you. The phone number, if you want to be on this program, you can give it a shot. 877-973-7425. We got to go off the beaten path a little ways uh, because there is news that we need to talk about that oftentimes, well, you may not hear it everywhere. Uh, It is from the New York Times, and I've got to pause for just a moment because I want to say something in response to some questions that I've gotten from people over the last couple of weeks. Very often, I get something, it's generally polite, and it says, why do you focus so much on what the mainstream media talks about? You don't cite conservative news sources. You don't spend a lot of time on the Epoch Times You don't spend a lot of time on various conservative websites. Well, there are a couple of reasons for this. One, if you listen to conservative talk radio, a lot of the conservative talk show hosts are getting all their news from there, so it's duplicative. Two, I think it is very important for you to hear what the other side is saying. And three, a lot of these are actually where the original news comes from. And what the conservative sites do is they regurgitate it with a conservative frame So you're getting the news, and I prefer to deal with the primary sources. And when the primary sources are of the left, I try to explain to you what's going on, give you the analysis of it objectively, and then point out how they're framing it on the left. This is a good example of that. The Democratic Republic of Congo is home to one of the largest old-growth rainforests on the planet Earth. It is a very large nation. Now, if you can picture the African continent, and keep in mind, the African continent is by itself, you can fit North America and Europe in it pretty good. The very center of the African continent, below the Sahara, is the Democratic Republic of the Congo, one of the largest countries in Africa. The Congo River flows through the Democratic Republic of Congo. Its capital is Kinshasa, which is inland from the Atlantic Ocean. It stretches and and you have all sorts of from South Sudan to Rwanda, Uganda, Burundi, Zambia, Angola, uh, Congo itself, which is actually a separate country from Democratic Republic of Congo. The Congo Basin is in the Democratic Republic of Congo. It is a very interesting, fascinating country. It's not an extremely wealthy country, but it has massive, massive reserves of oil, rare earth minerals and the like, and gas. Now, I want to read for you the headline, the subheadline, and and some paragraphs of the story. Here's the headline. Congo to auction land to oil companies. Our priority, this is a quote from the Congolese, our priority is not to save the planet. Now, here's the subtitle from the New York Times. Peatlands and rainforests in the Congo Basin protect the planet by storing carbon. Now, in a giant leap backward for the climate, they're being auctioned off for drilling. This, my friends, is woke colonialism. White people from North America and Europe who have surrendered 
African lands to the African people of the African continent do not now want to allow those people to exploit the wealth of that land to improve their lives because of climate change. Ruth McLean and Dion Searcy write this piece. The Democratic Republic of Congo, home to one of the largest old-growth rainforests on Earth, is auctioning off vast amounts of land in a push to become, quote, the new destination for oil investments, part of a global shift as the world retreats on fighting climate change in a scramble for fossil fuels. The oil and gas blocks, which will be auctioned in late July, extend into Virunga National Park, the world's most important gorilla sanctuary, as well as tropical peatlands that store vast amounts of carbon, keeping it out of the atmosphere and from contributing to global warming. If oil exploration, exploitation takes place in these areas, we must expect a global climate catastrophe, and we will all just have to watch helplessly, says Irene Wabiwa, who oversees the Congo Basin Forest Campaign for Greenpeace in Kinshasa. Congo's about face and allowing new oil drilling in environmentally sensitive areas comes eight months after its president, Felix Shishikiti, stood alongside world leaders at a global climate summit in Glasgow and endorsed a 10-year agreement to protect its rainforests, which is second in size only to the Amazon. The deal includes international pledges of $500 million for Congo, one of the world's poorest countries. But since then, the world's immediate priorities have shifted. Russia's invasion of Ukraine sent oil prices soaring and led to U.S. and British bans on Russian oil. At the same time, Norway, a leading advocate of saving forests, is increasing oil production with plans for more offshore drilling. And President Biden, who pledged early in his term to wean the world from fossil fuels, traveled to Saudi Arabia recently where he raised the need for more oil production. Back home, Biden's ambitious domestic climate agenda is doomed. Congo has taken note of each of these global events. Congo's sole goal for the auction is to earn enough revenue to help the struggling nation finance programs to reduce poverty and generate badly needed economic growth. That's our priority, Mr. Mapano said. He is the nation's lead representative on climate issues. Congo announced the auction in May with a video posted on Twitter that showed a shining river nestled in a deep bed of lush rainforest. The video quickly cut to a close-up of a filling station pump where yellowish gash Gas gushed into an automotive tank. The American and French oil giants Chevron and Total Energies were tagged in the post. Environmental groups were outraged. Last week, Congolese officials doubled down, expanding the number of blocks up for grabs from 16 to 30, comprising 27 oil and three gas blocks. Total Energies did not intend to bid. And Chevron did not respond to a request. Other oil major producers are declining to comment. Yes, you want it. We need it. You want it. Do it. The Europeans, the Americans, and the Canadians are really upset. The Democratic Republic of Congo is auctioning off 30 lots of land in its jungles to extract oil and natural gas. They're upset. Their plan 
was to pay the Democratic Republic of Congo $500 million to keep the oil in the ground. Congo could get billions of dollars from its oil reserves. Its people are incredibly poor. The people in Congo cut down trees to burn for fuel. They cut down trees because they don't have gas and they don't have electric stoves. The West has told them you can't spray low-dose DDT to kill mosquitoes. You have to get malaria and you can stop it by sleeping under tents at night with your windows open because you're not allowed to have air conditioners. There was an environmentalist, I can't remember who it was, they were in an interview a few years ago, and uh, the interviewer asked, what is one of the things that keeps you up at night? And the and the, the environmentalist said, the African countries developing and getting air conditioning. Because air conditioning, as we know from all the left-wing talking points, is bad. Air conditioning heats up the world, cools you down and destroys the world. They don't want African nations to develop. This is woke colonialism. Woke colonialism is the same colonizers who colonized Africa have handed the land back to the Africans and now dictate to the Africans how they must stay dirt poor and not develop. Those of you who are listening to me who are black, who support the Democratic Party, because you think the Democratic Party is committed to the advancement of non-white people, you should look at what they do around the world. You should look at the policies advocated by Democrats and the left around the world. Here at home, they want you to be dependent on government. They don't actually want you to improve. They don't want self-improvement for non-white people. They don't want you to be economically successful. In fact, they're trying to throw the Asians out of Harvard right now because they're too damn successful. They want you dependent on government in a social safety welfare net. Don't you advance, because if you advance, you're going to spend money. And if you spend money, you're going to grow your climate footprint, and that's bad. Only the pre-existing rich white people are allowed to do that. And in Africa, stay poor. The world governments decided they would pay the Democratic Republic of Congo $500 million over five years, $100 million a year, so that their people could live subsistence lives. so they could stay poor and chop down trees to fuel their ovens to cook their food. Or, as the president of the Democratic Republic of Congo has determined, they could stick pipes into the ground and extract billions of dollars worth of oil and natural gas every year and elevate his people. In May, Didier Bumindbu, Congo's Minister of Hydrocarbons, said the country, which produces 25,000 barrels of oil a day, could produce a million barrels of oil a day. At current prices, that's the equivalent of $32 billion a year, more than half the GDP of Congo. Mr. Mpano pointed to the Amazon as an example of how nations with natural resources must act if richer nations would not compensate them. 
In 2007, Rafael Correa, Ecuador's president at the time, set up a trust fund that the international community could finance to stop the country from exploring an oil block in the Yasuni National Park, one of the most biodiverse regions of the world. The goal was to raise $3.6 billion. Years later, it only raised $13 million. So in 2013, the government decided to allow the oil exploration and drilling began. We're not into threats, said the head of hydrocarbons for the Democratic Republic of Congo. We have a very humble attitude. We have a sovereign right to go ahead. But scientists say going ahead could destroy rainforests and peatlands, the last lines of defense for a planet struggling to limit rising temperatures. The wokes. The wokes don't want the African countries to be able to control their land. Might as well just go on, take them back. Send your armies and take them back if you're that committed to it. Otherwise, let them drill for oil. We need it. We need it. There are ways to drill that limit the footprint. There are ways to extract the oil that benefit us all. But the white wokes of the Western world would prefer to keep the African nations on the African continent dirt, poor, and dependent. But yet, they don't want to write the checks. They just want to keep them dirt, poor, and dependent without sending money, without compensating them, and without letting them control the land that they fought to get back to control. What they'll do is they'll put economic sanctions on the Democratic Republic of Congo. They will shun them in the international community. But you know what? Someone will buy the oil. And I hope it's us. Hi there. It is Eric Erickson here. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. Wherever you are nationwide, First Liberty wants to be able to help you. The You can reach out to them at firstlibertyga.com. Firstlibertyga.com. They can help your business grow, but we're talking loans, $750,000 or more. And this is for businesses, not for individuals. But if you want your business to grow, you need a large loan. They can help you get to yes, where a lot of banks are saying no. They've been doing this since the 90s. They know what they're doing. Reach out to them. Tell them I sent you. FirstLibertyGA.com. Now, I want to take Mike's phone call here. Mike, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, good, Eric. Uh, Needless to say, I enjoy your program. It's just tremendous. But uh, I, too, have gotten a lot of those spam-type texts from Trump. And in this conversation today, you having received it, I'm wondering if there's any chance that could be from some anti-Trump organization is that these are uh, robotic-type calls designed to uh, alienate contributors because this is the, it seems counterintuitive that as successful as Trump has been in some businesses, that he would tolerate this approach. This is like the worst shyster uh, approach. I mean, (laughs) it makes me mad. You know, I I try to call him and say, tell me where to meet you, and I'll bring my friends here's the problem for this 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 is uh the republicans uh it is various republican groups so for example uh, one of the ones i've gotten is from the republican state leadership committee uh one of the ones i've gotten let's see this one is from the save america joint fundraising pack with make america great again 
one of the other ones I've gotten is this is from Save America. Uh, so these these are legit. Look, I, I, I see what you're saying. Could, couldn't they be doing this? They could, except for the fact that the way these fundraising emails work and the processes they go through, they're kind of easy to trace through the IP addresses where they come. And so I can tell okay. you going into how they're advertised and stuff like when someone unless someone does a really credible job of routing it through a virtual private network around the world. Uh, that would that would mask who it comes from, but these you if you know what you're doing, I and I do, I can go in and see the IP addresses uh, that they originate yeah. from, and they're coming from the Republicans. They're coming from so multiple you've Republican. You've authenticated groups. it, so I don't have the knowledge to authenticate. Yeah, yeah. But- I, look, I, I can do it, and and I, I one I I kind of know what they look like in the field, but also I can go yeah. through, I can unsubscribe, and see where they're directed and stuff. So they're coming. And the problem is that what they think is, well, you're not going to see all of them, but maybe I can get your eye with one. Unfortunately for them, the Internet service providers are just seeing like 20 bajillion uh, fundraising emails come through the same IP address. They're like, hey, this has got to be a spammer. We need to like send these to people's spam folders. They're not actually Mm -hmm. reading the Internet service providers. They're not reading the content of the emails and, oh, this is a fundraiser. We should let it through. They're just seeing this Internet IP address has generated a bajillion emails in the last 20 seconds. That's a spammer. Let's catch them. Um, what Congress wants to do, what Republicans want to do is say, hey, you, we have to be able to give you IP addresses and you protect those and say, don't mark these as spam. Well, it's counterproductive. I know that. It is, and I don't want them to protect these emails. By the way, since I've been sitting here since the last time I did this, I've gotten about 15 more of these emails from different candidates. Uh, it's just it's, yeah. it's so absurd. Mike, thanks for the phone call. It, it legitimately is the Republicans. And I've lost patience with it. My, I don't have any more sympathy for the issue. And I'm not denying. I am not denying. Don't hear me deny that uh, these Internet companies like Google and Apple aren't playing some hanky-panky. They could be. And I don't care at this point. Because the GOP itself has so burned that bridge. The GOP itself has so infuriatingly spammed the snot out of all of us. They're so bad at it. The Democrats, frankly, do it with more of an authentic human touch. I mean, their emails are bad, but they're few and far between. Like, I'm on those lists, too. I get everybody's emails. I can see them coming through. And there are some Democrats who make it to the spam folder. Nancy Pelosi stuff makes it to the spam folder. Beto O'Rourke does not. Uh, It's just, it's infuriating. But then there are Republicans, like Chuck Grassley, he doesn't go to the spam folder. There are a number of Republican candidates who don't go to the spam folder. But a lot of them do because they send so much off the same platform. And all the ISPs know, the Internet service providers know is this looks like a spammer. Let's block their spam. And I'm glad they do. And the GOP needs to get a clue and stop blaming everybody else and admit what they're doing is not working. Hi there. How are you? It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the program delighted to have you with me um i I gotta i gotta play you some audio here and it is throwaway audio some might say except it's not this is bill weir from cnn and he's talking about uh the supposed climate emergency nonsense this happened a little while ago and 
you got to just listen to this conversation on CNN, and then I got to make some points about this conversation. And this comes on the heels of what I was just talking to you about, about the Democratic Republic of Congo. Listen to this conversation between Jim Scudo, who worked for Barack Obama, who's now a supposed objective anchor at CNN, and Bill Weir. Oh, will you fire up the audio? Come on, computer. Here we go. This is Bill Weir with CNN's Jim Scudo. Does that leave things right? Uh, folks, I'm sorry. My computer has just decided that it's on strike. Here we go. So where does that leave things, right? I mean, we have more than 35 million Americans. They're under heat alerts this morning. I don't want you to do a deep dive on on how climate change has, has created the conditions for a lot of these things that we're seeing in a number of fronts. But what can the administration do next? I mean, because they may very well lose the House or, or the Senate in, in a several months' time. Uh, yeah. What should folks look for? I mean, that's that is the big question that the president says his lawyers are, are working on right now, to what extent they can stretch his executive powers without any legislative help. Uh, it's interesting that the letter from staffers, part of their plea is, please get Joe Manchin to change his mind. You know, this is this is hung up on an old fashioned filibuster sort of recent made up American rules where the fate of life on Earth is at stake and, and does it doesn't seem to match. Now, if this were FDR, if this were the 40s, if this was after Pearl Harbor, maybe you would nationalize in the way that they tried to get Ford and Chevy to make ventilators for COVID. There's a three-year waiting list for Ford F-150 trucks. Why not throw the military might behind that? Why not use the military's footprint as a symbol of, of a transition? Yeah. Uh, the, the carbon reduction in the infrastructure bill is one-sixth of what the Pentagon emits around the world and all the bases weapons factors. So to put this in perspective, uh, according to Bill McKibben, Hillary Clinton was going to declare this uh, on day one, a national emergency, just to set the conversation in this way. Some people think it, it blunts the message that you need a clear mission. Like, what what are we declaring an emergency? What is the target how to fight that? Um, it should touch every cabinet office, really, uh, holistically. So that's what people are waiting to see is what the president does now that he really doesn't have the courts or Congress on his side in any meaningful way. And, Jim, I actually spoke to your old high school recently, mm-hmm. and uh, the debate team was telling me the topic of their last debate was, can a democracy even solve a climate crisis? What kind mm-hmm. of governments can? And I think the proof is, uh, that we see around us is the American form of democracy, the 2022 version, certainly cannot. Goodness, because it requires sacrifice and compromise, right? And there's not a lot of that Absolutely. in politics yeah. these days. Do you hear that last part? You hear that last part? Yeah, Bill Weir on CNN. He covers, this is, this is how he describes himself on Twitter with his blue check mark. Covering the fate of life on earth. That's how he sees himself. Covering the fate of life on earth. Bill Weir who is supposed to be a reporter, but instead views himself as covering the fate of life on Earth, argues on CNN that American democracy cannot fight climate change. He says American made-up rules like the filibuster make it impossible for our democracy to fight climate change. He believes that climate change has to be fought. He wrote a letter to his son. 
his he talks about how essentially he and his wife they weren't planning on having kids because of the planet let me just read you this dear river it's just over two years since you joined our little blue marble ride through the Milky Way, and now you can say things like, Bill Weir, I want banana smoothie. It's time to learn the difference between happy birthday and happy Earth Day. Both are in April, but one of them has cake and hop along Andy, and the other, frustration with humanity. Both involve balloons. Only on Earth Day, we get to pick their deflated shards off a beach or festoon them around a protest sign on a march down Broadway. I was a toddler your size when this holiday began, back when the skies of Los Angeles had the look of a neglected fishbowl and a river in Ohio had so much oily pollution that it turned the color of a rainbow and burst into flames. The problems with an economy built on dirty fuels and planned obsolescence were so disgustingly obvious back in my boyhood that leaders from both political tribes agreed to create the Environmental Protection Agency and pass the Clean Air and Water Acts as you learn more about Congress of your birth, that will seem adorable. By the 20th Earth Day in 1990, it was easier being green, but the advice of the day included asking the post office to stop sending junk mail and to cut up your plastic six-pack rings to save seagulls. Meanwhile, 163 million tons of trash were left by Earth Day festival goers in Central Park. A week after you were born, we entered a hurricane season so active we ran out of letters in the alphabet to name them, and the storms that came a year later were even more costly. The week of your second birthday, it was 50 degrees Fahrenheit above normal near the North Pole. This should have been alarming enough, but at the same time, it was 70 degrees above normal near the South Pole. Since then, since they are, by definition, polar opposites, that should never happen, and going forward, it can only get worse. When you look back, you'll probably wonder what we were doing with this information beyond recycling junk mail and seagull safe six packs. But you should know there were countless good souls ready to pitch in. Get mad, get ready, get as many new friends as you can. And on and on. It go, it was just, it's, it's bizarre and dreary stuff from this guy. And now he's on CNN saying, American democracy can't save the planet. Well, what comes next? If, if this is your worldview, in all honesty, I'm not trying to make hyperbole here. If you're Bill Weir, the chief climate correspondent of CNN, who on social media describes your job as covering the fate of life on Earth, and you believe the whole world is going to burn because of American democracy. What do you do? Now, I read you that letter. But that was Bill Weir's second letter to his son. Let me read you his first one. My dearest river, against all odds, you were conceived in a lighthouse, born during a pandemic, and will taste just enough of life as we knew it to resent us when we're gone. I'm sorry. I'm sorry we broke your sea and your sky and shortened the wings of the nightingale. I'm sorry that the Great Barrier Reef is no longer great, that we value Amazon.com more than the Amazon, and that waterfront neighborhood where your 
burble in my arms could be condemned by rising seas before you're old enough for a mortgage. The scent of your downy crown makes my heart explode. The curl in your tic-tac-toes fills me with enough love to power New York City, if only. Instead, the milk in your bottle was warmed by dirty, ancient fuels, and as a result, you will learn to walk on a planet that has never been this hot for humans. We are just now wrestling with the implications of this, but as your pop, the most poignant evidence was seeing your mother give you your first kiss through a P-100 mask that smelled faintly of smoke. I'm sorry, my boy, but we were warned. For decades, scientists told us that if we weren't careful, humans would unleash an invisible enemy out of the jungle and into our lungs, but that was a story if you wanted to believe. As you get older, this will be hard to understand, but we were under the spell of Genesis 128 to take dominion over every living thing. We had the strange urge to carve straight lines out of nature's curves and were under the spell of a uniquely human force called profit motive. Oh, dear God. What a joy this guy is going to be. What a joy. And here he is on CNN saying that American democracy can't fight this problem. If that's your worldview, if that's your worldview, American democracy can't fight this problem and we're all going to die, what do you do? Eventually, violence, terrorism. You've got to overthrow this government. If you believe we're all going to die because of this American government and the way it operates, it's only a matter of time before you start encouraging antics, before you start encouraging violence, before you start encouraging dictatorship, because you don't believe American democracy can solve the problem. You want a new democracy? Well, guess what? Norway is pumping out more oil. Norway's been your eco-friendly model. Norway is now extracting more oil from planet Earth to burn. So I guess those socialist democracies aren't too good either. What do you do? Environmentalists in the United States, going back to the 1950s and 60s, have a history of violence. And it's only going to get worse. And when you have a supposed reporter on CNN saying American democracy and its made-up rules like the filibuster can't solve this problem, you're just encouraging people to take sorts of actions that don't end well for any of us. Now, let's go to the phones. Uh, Edward, I want to go to you. Thank you very much, Edward. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing today? Good. I love your show. I just had one comment. Uh, our pastor, we go to Mount Perrin in Atlanta, and he uh-huh. preached a sermon three or four weeks ago about this climate change. And, you know, basically God created this earth. He put the oil, he put the coal, and then he gave someone the wisdom to extract it and make that. He knows he's not sitting in heaven thinking, oh, my God, they're going to destroy the earth. He knew all this was going to happen. So we just have to trust him and not be afraid. I just don't understand these climate people that are just such nuts. 
Yeah, yeah, okay. So I'm, I'm glad you said this. So here, here's the thing. Um, when you read, like Bill Weir in, in this column, I just he referenced Genesis 128. Uh, what God says is to take dominion over the earth. We're to be good stewards of the earth. So obviously, if Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden went through and they chopped down all the trees and left nothing behind, they wouldn't be very good stewards. You want to take care of the planet. Um, but yes, the good Lord himself gave us oil. Uh, gave us the ability to get energy to the next step. We are supposed to, in some way, take care of and be good stewards of the earth. So don't trash the planet. Uh, don't be a bad steward. Uh, don't don't be wasteful. All of these things are things that, that I think that he, even Scripture would say don't do. But also, don't give up the fact that we are to be dominant on the planet and we are to control the planet. It's God's gift to us. And so stop thinking that we have to take a backseat to nature. No, we're not supposed to take a backseat to nature. We're supposed to be in charge of the planet. There is a possible balance here, a real balance here. There is a way to balance all of this out. There is a way to make all of this work. On one side, though, you do have people saying, "Yeah, you know what? We can't. We we can't destroy the planet." Actually, you know, the world is going to end in fire. I've read the end of the book. The world ends in fire, and Jesus comes back. There's a pale horse, Johnny Cash singing backup music, and a lot of us, well, we go to a better place. But also. We're not supposed to be wasteful. We're not supposed to be needlessly destructive. There's a bound. There is an environmentalism in the Bible, actually. There is an environmentalism there. It's an environmentalism of good stewardship, though. It's not an environmentalism of put the planet before the people. Actually, God gave us the planet to put the people first. You got to be careful on that balance. But environmentalists think we are a parasite. We are somehow bad and that our institutions of government are failing us. And you got to be real careful with that because it ends with a subverted worldview where instead of us worshiping the creator, we're worshiping creation. And instead of us being called accountable to the creator, we're called accountable to creation. And we are part of that creation. And so it gets your theology out of whack. You get your worldview out of whack. And we're seeing that happen. And that's a problem. You know, one of the organizations that is fighting back on this stuff and actually uh, doing a good job of being sensible in these things, uh, fighting for conservatism, fighting for the conservative cause, fighting for the Second Amendment, the pro-life movement, for, frankly, responsible people engaged in responsible advocacy of responsible conservatism. It's Patriot Mobile. They take their profits and they give a portion of it to the conservative movement. They're Christians and conservatives explicitly, so it's how they run their business. And they want your business. They get guaranteed service, so you don't have to worry about jumping ship from one of the big monopoly cell phone providers going to Patriot Mobile. You're going to get the same towers, so the same quality of service. It's going to be good for you. What you do is you go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. Again, guaranteed service. You get free activation with my name. They've got a detailed coverage map all the way down to your house. You can put in your address and see 5G voice, data, all of that, how good it is, how strong the signal is. Go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric or call them. 972-PATRIOT is their number, 100% U.S.-based customer service. 972-PATRIOT or patriotmobile.com slash Eric. Well, you want your fun and happy story of the day? This is from Unheard. 
Uh, looks like uh, there's an Islamist shadow growing on the island of Trinidad. This is from Simon Cotty. Uh, he's truly a spiritual person, Fawad Abu Baker told me. He was referring to his father, Yassin, the notorious Trinidadian militant who led the first and only Islamist insurrection ever attempted in a Western democracy. We were standing in front of the mosque his father built at one Mercaparo Road on the outskirts of Trinidad and Tobago's capital city, Port of Spain. It was early 2016. I'd gone to Trinidad to report on Trinidadian ISIS foreign fighters for the Atlantic. Between 2013 and 2016, some 440 Trinis traveled to Syria and Iraq to join the caliphate, making Trinidad one of the world's biggest exporters per capita of ISIS foreign fighters. Turns out there has been a growing uh, Islamic threat down yonder. There was a coup attempt. And you will not be surprised to learn the American government has largely been completely clueless about the whole situation. The dereliction of duty of multiple administrations is going to come back to haunt us. And part of the problem here, frankly, is that George W. Bush got fairly distracted by the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq, single-mindedly focused. And it became overwhelming for us to also have to deal with Western Hemisphere affairs. It became largely overwhelming for us to deal with even Asian affairs that didn't involve the Middle East. And this administration, well, the, is hampered by the intellectually incurious groups of the uh, Obama administration who were so invested in a deal with Iran, they couldn't see straight. And now Iran, of course, is doubling down on terror and wants nuclear weapons. Uh, the, the level of incompetence in our foreign policy, largely run by an elite group of academics who can never admit they were wrong, is going to do us in. And it is a massive, massive problem for all of us. All right. Uh, I'm going to take a timeout. I will be back tomorrow. I will talk to you all then. I'll be on Fox and Friends tomorrow morning at 6.40 a.m. Eastern Time.